Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. Uh, the crew is here with you, Chaz, as always, and Richard, how's it going? Hey, everyone, what's going on? Seth, what's up? What is up, guys? What is up? So, episode 58, the docket for this episode is uh, Eldrazi is not only taking over Modern, but uh, Richard is now confirming that Legacy is now taking over, or uh, er, Eldrazi is now taking over Legacy, so you heard it here first, Richard is throwing in the towel and rage quitting Legacy, and we will have that <laughs> developing story. Here indirectly. Soon. Yeah, indirectly, okay. Um we're going we're gonna to talk about GP Houston and basically the end of an era, I guess, before we get a bunch of Shadows over Innistrad uh, uh, spoilers and a bunch of hype and the inevitable rotation of cons and Fate Reforged and all of these decks will be, we'll, we'll see what happens when the dust settles. Uh, we're going to talk a bit, a little bit about uh, finance that we haven't gotten to talk about. Uh, we, you know, don't really like to omit it, but just sometimes it just happens. So Seth and I are going to talk, you know, finance uh, like we always try to do. And then we're going to end the podcast with fish mail. So uh, let's get right to it. We always have stuff to talk about. Uh, Richard, what's going on in Legacy? <laughs> the rage quitting of Legacy has commenced. Uh, so yeah, so SCG... Philly was Legacy, and there were a ton of Eldrazi decks. One, two, three, four? Yeah. I'm counting? There, there were a ton in uh, the top 32, and it seems like Eldrazi is the real deal in Legacy, and uh, I, played a, uh, I played against it a bunch online, and I do fairly well against it. Uh, it's not a big problem uh, with the, a BGX deck, uh, but apparently it just stomps Miracles and Delver decks, like counterbalance top does nothing when you don't have any converted mana costs like four five six cards in your deck yeah. to counter the eldrazi with so uh, apparently it just wrecks miracles and uh, a lot of people played it at the open um and i've i've seen it online it's not scary but it's warping the metagame online and i rage quit out of legacy i played <laughs> one too many lands decks i hate lands lands is like the worst deck in the world and I just played one too many of them, and I believe they're they're coming up in numbers in a response to Eldrazi. Um, right. Just easy pickings. And uh, so I just rage quit on Legacy. I've I, I played maybe six or seven leagues, and I'm done. I've, I've moved on to standard now. I'm like, screw this. I'll wait for the metagame to adjust, and I, I just don't want to play against lands. It's such an infuriating deck to play against. It's right. nothing worse than playing lands. Like, just scoop and like leave the round. Like, save your time. Right. And for the listeners that, you know, don't know Legacy as much as you do, why is Lance coming out in, like, such big numbers? Tabernacle, right? Uh, so Tabernacle... So Lance has a... So unless you can deal with the 2020 Indestructible, a.k.a. playing white with Swords to Plowshares, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's very hard to beat Lance. Uh, they have, you know, they have Wastelands. Uh, they have Rashad Imports. They have Tabernacles. They have Maze of It. So they can blank most aggressive decks. And they're very consistent because they run Gamble, uh, which is basically a demonic tutor for one mana to grab any land they want. And they have Life of the Loam to recur their, their lands. Uh, so it, it's very hard to beat lands uh, if you're playing a fair deck. Uh, typically, the way you beat lands is you just combo off and, and kill them on turn one. And, you know, unless they chalice on one, like they're pretty screwed. Right. Um, but if you're playing any type of fair deck, uh, lands will win unless, you know, you, you have a Swords for the Merit Lodge token, you have Graveyard Hate for Life from the Loam, and you don't play creatures that get hosed by Punishing Fire combo. Yeah. Uh, 
And, you know, you need wastelands to stop their maze of ists and tabernacles and ports and whatever. So it's actually really hard for a fair deck to eat land. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, congrats to Noah Walker for taking it down. I didn't get to catch the finals. I watched as much as I could. Uh, you know, just we, this week was just kind of busy. Uh, did Noah Walker just kind of walk out of that, like, with the Grixis Delver? Because I know you said uh, Eldrazi is pretty good against Delver decks and, and uh, you know, Miracles. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the top eight, so I don't actually know, but oh. uh, I, I, I've been told, and it seems to make sense, that Aldrazi beats Delver, but right. you can always just win a game. Yeah, yeah, of right? And I don't know what the top eight matchups were like, um, but I, I, I don't know. Like Tom Ross was in the top eight as well, uh, so mm-hmm. Joe well, Walker got through a pretty formidable top eight. There was also a a master class in uh, Infect versus Miracles, Tom Ross versus Joe Lissette. Yep. Uh, for uh, the winning into the top eight. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to actually watch two pros at, uh, you know, two really good Magic players, uh, experts in their decks play against each other, this is this is going to go down as one of the Masterclass uh, matches. Yeah. Um, so unless you like, you know, torturing yourself playing Legacy Online and going through a bunch of lands lists right now, uh, Richard has opted out of that. <laughs> we we need you, out of his legacy Storm contract. players. Where are the combo players? I like we we talked about this last week. There there are very yeah. few combo players online, and you're you're seeing the results of it now, right? Like I don't even play Force of Will. Like why? And people have just gone further, right? Enchantress lands, uh, you know, weird Nick pick decks. Like basically all of the decks that beat blue but fold the combo are are coming online now, and they're in full force. So. Dust off those LEDs, you know, we, we, we need the unfair players to kind of shift the metagame back and punish these greedy, non-Force of Will decks that kind of just dirtle around and win the long game. Oh, isn't Storm one of the cheaper decks online, too? Like, it's really weird to me that more people don't play Storm. Um, it is. Like, I, I don't know, Lands is also the most expensive deck to play, right? Like, every shot yeah. import costs you just under 200 bucks. So it's like almost 800 for a play set of Rashad imports online. In, in paper, Tabernacle is some ridiculous number, which I don't remember. Um, so it's weird. Like Storm is actually a really hard deck to play. And maybe it just gets beat by Aldrazi. Like I, I, I don't know what that matchup is like, but there's there's very few Storm players online. And I'm not sure why. Uh, even just something like Belcher or Oops All Spells would probably be pretty awesome in this metagame. Like, why? You don't need to fight through Force of Will. There are no Force of Wills, right? So just go with the glass cannon combos. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but uh, we did get an influx of new Legacy players because Legacy League started uh, two, three weeks ago. So maybe it's just all the new players and they're not familiar with playing combo. You know, most players would gravitate towards kind of the fair mid-rangey decks, which they're used to playing in Standard and Modern. So maybe that's it, and maybe it'll adjust over time. But I'm sure some people will fall to the dark side and play the power of Black Lotus in Legacy. Yeah, so call to arms Storm players online. Richard wants to play Legacy again. (laughs) (laughs) Please, beat up all these greedy players, and then I can beat up on both of you. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I guess... uh... Looks like Legacy, or Legacy is now in, you know, being attacked by the Eldrazi space monsters, and every format's under fire. But I, I don't think under fire. in modern you're yeah, kind of like, yeah. oh, well. But in Legacy you can do lots of things. Right, yeah. And you can play different decks. Kind of... and, you know, I'm, I'm sure Miracles can tune to beat Eldrazi if they felt like it. You know, just right. like I can tune my deck to beat lands, but like, 
I don't want to. <laughs> and, and isn't a little bit like sometimes I guess at this SCG um, where all of a sudden people are showing with like showing up with it on paper. I guess people didn't really like come prepared that they figured, oh, you know, it is online, but this was kind of like the big first event where everyone kind of shows up with paper cards and maybe they weren't ready to, you know, combat it. So it looked a lot better than, you know, say if another SCG legacy open would be, you know, a month from now where everyone's kind of adjusted to it. Well, it, it's remember with legacy that the player base is not that large and the right. expensive. So the, the local metagame really defines how these, Yep. Opens look. Like, I mean, Joe Lestat will play Miracles anywhere he travels, but most of the local players will have their decks. And you don't just randomly, like, whip out lands out of nowhere, right? Like, you spent a long time building it. So my guess is in Philly, lands is actually a pretty big thing because there are a lot of land, lands players in the, the top 32. So maybe that's just the Philly metagame. Uh, like, I know in Seattle, it's more buggish and, like, elves and stuff like that. Whereas maybe on the East Coast, more lands here in Philly... So with, with Legacy, the, the local metagame and the player base and what cards they own uh, has a big effect. It's not like standard where you kind of just swap decks like willy-nilly. It's, it's kind of like, here's my $5,000 deck or whatever, you know, it's like, that's all I got. And, you know, you swap with your friends, but the, the overall pool is still kind of the same. Right. Um, do we have anything to add about uh, the SCG Open, Seth? Well, I enjoyed watching it. That would be my yeah. big takeaway is I wish SCG did more Legacy Opens because they're always, every time they come up, I make it a priority to watch as much as possible, which isn't true of Standard necessarily, and sometimes it's not even true of Modern. But uh, So I wish they happened more often just because Legacy is such a great format to watch. So yeah. that's, my, that's my big takeaway. More Legacy, please. Yeah. Contrary to what people may say, uh, I do enjoy watching it, too. <laughs> and I do enjoy the format. But, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't get the exposure. And, you know, whether people want to debate that or not, there there are some clear reasons why. So always just keep that in mind. But, hey, I mean, a big legacy event, a lot of uh, a big turnout, pretty big turnout, right? Or not, I think I, it was like 700 people. I think that's pretty big for an SCG event. So. Yeah, something like that. Maybe I'm getting my numbers wrong. Um all right, so we'll just move right into GP Houston, where we were just talking about this off-cast. Uh, we we kind of called this from a mile away. Uh, <laughs> Seth, you were just talking about, is basically every color that you can play imaginable, and like we're looking at it right now, like four-color rally, Mardu green, like all the just the best color, like the best stuff in each color, and you just mash it together. Like all this four-color great stuff, good stuff lists. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty checked out of standard at the moment, personally. Yeah. Like, Not only is it just all four-color good stuff, so everything looks the same, but we're still seeing a lot of the same cards we've been seeing for a long time. So it's we still got Jeskai, there's still Abzan that pops up. Like, It's just the same Esper Dragons made the top 32, so it's just... I don't know. For me, standard is pretty stale at the moment, and but I am super, super excited that we are almost to rotation and going to get some sweet new cards. Uh, so I think I'm more excited for this rotation than any rotation in quite a while, because uh, yeah. I don't like the current format, and I think Shadows over Innistrad is going to be awesome. So I'm super excited for that. Yeah. I am too. Uh, it looks like everyone brought, like especially from the uh, CFB uh, team, brought... Hardened Scales, so I guess we get to enjoy Hardened Scales for like a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wonder why it took so long, but here we are. 
It makes me wonder because this was this was a Channel Fireball GP, and they were doing all the coverage of it. Yeah. So it it kind of makes me wonder if someone was like, "Hey, we really want people to watch our event, so can you guys please play something different than Five Color Rally for a change?" <laughs> so they're like, "All right, we'll build hardened scales, like almost like some weird LSV troll," and he made the whole team play it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty good list. I mean, it was good enough, I guess. Yeah, or, I mean, the Channel Fireball players are just so good that they can top eight AGP with hardened scales. That's the other way of looking at it. That is that is definitely a possibility. <laughs> the only breath of fresh air before we rotate in April was hardened scales. And, and literally the only new card we're seeing is Nyssa, so... <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I So I rage cut out of Legacy, and I started playing Mardu Green, and I actually really enjoy it. It's it's the kind of deck I like. They're like yeah. mid-range rock-type decks, but every deck in the format is like that. Like, every card two or three for ones you in this format, which is really weird because it makes discard, like transgress the mind, really good. But, you know, basically, you have collected company, just straight up two for one, unless you're unlucky. Uh, you have Painful Truths, you have Read the Bones still, you have Treasure Cruise, you have Dig Through Time, and then you have all of the spells like Crackling Doom, uh, Coligan's Command, Ojitai's Command, and then you have all your creatures that are also two for one, like Siege Rhino. Like, just beating someone with, like, Siege Rhino, Coligan's Command, Siege Rhino is, like, ridiculous. It's just, like, these decks are burn decks as well, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I think... Standard is in an interesting place in that it's probably one of the most powerful formats uh, in terms of just cards that I've seen in a while. But all of the decks use all of the colors, so they all kind of look the same. And yeah. you know, when, when someone plays a single land, or even like two or three lands, you still have no idea what they're playing. Um, right. So it, it's just really awkward. And the innovations are like, you know, I cut a single removal spell <laughs> to add a, an extra painful truth to, to get the advantage in the mirror. So it, it's not as exciting where you get the breakout decks or you get the tribal decks or things like that. Yeah. Um, although I got to say, uh, it's going to be interesting because some of the lists, like, yeah, it, they might not be splashing as much, but I mean, when you look at these top eight uh, deck lists, like, some of these could stick around. Like, there's definitely going to be a collected company list that is going to still be out there. Whether it's two colors, maybe it's like a white splash. Uh, but, you know, some of these lists could definitely stick around. Especially, like, the Grixis Dragons list, where that could just straight up become blue-red. Because you're playing Eldrazi Sky Spawner, Bear of Silence. I mean, you could still play a lot of these cards. Yeah, I think... I think that that's probably true. I don't think these cards are going to go away, but I do think most of the decks will go away. Like right, we, right. There might be Mardu, but we're not going to have Mardu Green. There might have no, Jeskai, no. but it's not going to be Dark Jeskai. So I think decks right. are going to naturally have to trim one or even two colors just because the mana is going to be so much worse, which actually I think will make Standard better. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, I mean, uh, that's all we can really say. Uh, uh, you know, we're, I am very excited for a big rotation. Like you said, Seth, this is a very, this is one of those more important rotations that we've seen in a while because this is really like the start of this new blockade and is really kicking into gear. Yeah, I think they said actually that this is the first set that really benefited from that because they kind of changed halfway through Battle for Zendikar block. So this is the, right. the first set that really was designed with the two block cadence in mind. So. 
it'll be interesting to see what that means. I think because BFC was a, or Battle for Zendikar block was the first block like that, everyone assumed that this is what two set blocks would look like, but that's really not the case. That was a three set block that just kind of got mashed down to two sets at the last minute. So hopefully we see some really cool, new, innovative things in Shadows over Innistrad. Yeah. Jace, uh, I'm sure Raven's Prodigy Madness deck. <laughs> it's funny, that Madness, I didn't realize, was rated 9, I believe, on Marrow's Storm Scale, which means, like, almost certainly never going to come back, and it is coming back. So I want to see how they handle that mechanic in specific, because they think it's dangerous, like Marrow at least thinks that it's a dangerous mechanic, so we'll see if they can do it without breaking something. He should think it's dangerous because it really was dangerous. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't be expecting any basking root wallas or anything like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be probably a little more tame, but it, it does lend itself just like uh, just like Delve came back in, in, in cons. There likely will be a couple cards that slip through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any mechanic that cheats on mana is dangerous and they can be super safe and just make the cards totally unplayable but that would defeat the purpose but if you make the cards kind of playable and someone figures out a way to break it uh you know discounting your spells and also taking away a drawback normally discarding a card is a drawback but if you can somehow get yourself to discard and discount your spell like that's a pretty dangerous recipe yeah, I agree. And maybe this is the window for reprinting Mind Twist in Standard. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. Him Yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, have you ever him someone who got two Baylots? Oh, my God. <laughs> that has happened to me. I'm like, why do you even have two Baylots in your deck? I think I, I told you when I was doing the budget magic for 8-Rack, there was a game where I, like, thought seized, thought seized, thought seized, or three of those effects, and I hit Loxodon Smiter, then I hit Wiltley Fleege, and then Lingering Souls. Like, I'm back-to-back <laughs> discard spells, so I just, like, killed myself with my own thought seizes. Yes. That was, Perfect. That was fun. All, all according to plan. <laughs> That's a du- that was like a direct response to all these Eldrazi lists, and now you're you're kind of just well dealing with the fallout of that. The sad thing was that was like three months ago before Eldrazi oh. was even a thing. So someone was just <laughs> randomly playing like the eight rack hosing deck. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that would be your luck. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Not much more to say about GP Houston, although. We got to see a pretty interesting list with uh, hardened scales, and like everyone showed up with it. So I guess we get to enjoy that for a little while longer. Um, moving on, so we don't get to talk finance. Well, we haven't get to talk. We haven't got to touch on finance as much as we wanted to in the past week. So Seth and I are going to talk finance stuff. Um, you know, there's just so much stuff that we have to cover sometimes, and we're in for a long few weeks of spoilers. Uh, until, uh, like, September, so we're going to have to, you know, squeeze it in when we can. So this is a good time to, to talk about that. So, Seth, um, we saw some interesting price increases and decreases from the past uh, few weeks. So just to take some time to talk about them, uh, just so we get this out of the way, uh, a lot of reserveless stuff has been increasing by fairly dramatic percentages. So, you know, just wanted your thoughts on that, just so we get this out of the way. Well, I mean... Yeah, this is all, well, two things, I guess. It's mostly related to Eternal Masters and the hype about that. 
And we're still seeing the crazy, like, old-school spikes of cards that no one's ever heard of before, but apparently people that play old-school Magic really want for some reason, like Island of Wok Wok for some reason. <laughs> what do you um, do? <laughs> I, uh, probably give something banned. Tar- tap to reduce target flying creature's power to, z- to zero. Ooh, yeah, that's pretty uh, good. <laughs> but it's a land that doesn't tap for mana, so... It's those gins uh, pretty that's hard. That's like a maze of it, man. That's literally a maze of it for flyers. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... I, we, I don't know, like, how much you've been seeing this across and, like, people have been talking about it. So, like, it, it's weird to be talking about, like, reserve list stuff because it's always... What, what more can you say, really? Like, it's reserve list stuff. Sometimes, like, you see these random cards like i'll just pick one out that spiked recently like peacekeeper right where i mean yeah it's it's a like it's a reserveless card it's definitely not as you know it, it it hasn't seen as much play really as it's ever seen before i mean it's reserveless so you really don't know if these price you know increases are going to stick or not and usually most of them end up do but you know they gradually come back down before people start end up actually buying them um, and yeah, that's just the nature of the reserve list. I mean, people have to realize like these cards are on there and they're only really going to go up over time. And if they increase by a, a large percentage, they could very well end up staying that way, even if it's a, not a card that is relevant anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's that is basically the story. Like for me, the bigger deal, like Eternal Masters is making these cards spike because there's going to other cards are going to go down in price. You can get your force will right. cheaper, all that stuff. But the big takeaway, which I might've mentioned last week is this is like reconfirmation that wizards is not planning on getting rid of the reserve list. So this tells everyone yep. like you are safe to buy reserve list cards. You probably have, if wizards did ever change their mind, it's going to be years down the road at this point. So you are completely safe to buy all these cards either to play with or like on speculation, I guess, in hopes that they keep going up in price like they have been for the past however many years. So yeah. so that's the message that this sends, and I think that's why we see so many of these big price shifts. And I guess, I don't know what the lesson is. The thing is, who? why do you need these cards? Yeah, like, how do you actually right. cash out of this paper money? Like, you got to actually sell this thing back, right? Like, has yeah, anyone that's, successfully that's, resold their, like, spike right. and that's what garbage I'm cards? I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure people have sold these, and, and you'll get people that are saying, you know, oh, I'm selling, like, my whatever uh, – reserveless cards that's going up and and yeah that's that's great but i mean still when it comes down to it these are mostly i mean aside from the cards that are relevant in legacy and i guess this old school format I mean, these are basically just collector's items at this point right i mean we've talked about that a lot on the cast i mean a lot of the reserveless cards on there are just like abysmal cards so it's not like suddenly like my favorite one that i keep going back to is like wormwood elemental it's suddenly going to be a $25 card. I mean, just because, yeah, someone buys out a Wormwood Elemental doesn't mean anyone's going to turn around and start paying $25 for it. So it's not really a confirmed price increase until people are buying. But, I mean, stuff like Yawgmoth's Will, Bazaar of Baghdad, um, uh, Volras Stronghold, those, those are reserveless cards that do have applications somewhere. And I guess the lesson here is, I mean... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you other than they're on the reserved list. I mean, soon enough, there's going to be not enough of them out there to, you know, there's just not enough out there that, you know, suddenly if so many more people want them, there's just, you're going to have to pay a heavy tax. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think you're right about not taking the increases at face value. If you look at the buy list prices for some of these recent spikes, a peacekeeper, great whale that have increased hundreds of percent, their buy list prices haven't really moved. Like great whale might be 16 bucks retail, but buy list, you're only getting 275 for it. Same thing with peacekeeper. It's like 13 bucks. You can only sell it for two bucks. So definitely keep an eye on those prices because that's the, the sign that these cards are selling. Like when great whale spikes to 16, bucks and the buy list spikes up to 12 bucks and has a 25 percent spread then you know that people are actually buying these cards at the new price point and it's not just someone buying out because of this limited supply on the internet at the moment yeah yeah and uh, i mean we're in this part of the community we talk about finance a lot i mean this is not like your everyday like pay for your hobby type thing right like I don't I don't really talk about the reserve list that much because I mean not only is this what what is there really to say these aren't really outside of a few key cards in legacy and let, I just want to make that known I mean these aren't cards you really need to play I mean this is not like standard rotation stuff this is not like modern staples you know when are you really ever going to be playing you know Island of Whack Whack I mean outside of like a random 93 94 well, I mean, if you can find buyers for it, that's great. But, I mean, I don't really – I mean, there's just plenty of other stuff that you can be doing to kind of turn your inventory and keep paying for the game if you, you know, keep up on it. And I think for me the biggest sign that this is collectors is if you look at the site this week, the biggest winner in Legacy on Goldfish is Stasis, Unlimited Stasis which is up to 45 bucks, up 374%. If you want a stasis to play with, you can buy third edition for a buck 50. So obviously this isn't players who are spending $50 to buy a copy of Unlimited Stasis when there are cheap versions available. So it's got to be based on either speculation or just people that really want to have these old cards. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just I see a lot of, you know, people in our community talking about the reserve list stuff and, you know, calling out cards that are, you know, I guess low on supply or low spread or just cards worth grabbing just because they're on the reserve list and or have some application uh, outside of that. I mean, go for it if you feel like it. I mean, if you really need like a Volras stronghold, I will tell you that they're probably not going to get any cheaper because of EDH purposes and stuff like that. But, I mean, just going out and buying random stuff like Peacekeeper, I mean, you're really rolling the dice on that one. Hey, that's uh, Enchantress Eldrazi killing All-Star. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, and I would also say, if you're doing this for financial purposes and trying to speculate, don't treat these cards like you would a standard card or a modern card, where you might be like, oh, I think this is going to increase. I'm going to buy 50 copies of this bulk rare. If you buy 50 copies of these cards, it will take you your entire lifetime to find people who want to buy them from you. Like, Yeah, just the, 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 ups, <laughs> the unfortunate upside, and this is why I kind of feel like uneasy when I talk about the reserve is it's like, it's nothing new. Like, this is not new ideas. Like, these are cards that are never going to be reprinted. You could very well maliciously, and I don't condone this, but, I mean, this is just malicious at this point where people can go out, buy 50 copies of some crap card on the reserve list, and it might just spike and stick because there's only 50 copies out there, or, you know, on, on uh, out in the internet, and basically someone at that point is going to dictate the new price. So this is why I stay away from the reserve list. I, I just feel kind of... I don't know. I feel uneasy whenever it comes to this uh, subject. Like, I don't use the reserve list as something to fuel, like, paying for my hobby. 
I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I don't know. I mean, other people obviously have different uh, takes on this. I guess for them, profit is profit, but I don't know. I know people that are heavily invested in the reserve list, and I don't know. I just don't see it like – I don't see it like that. You know, at the end of the day, this is not really investment banking. This is a game. So I'd rather at least acknowledge that the reserve list is what it is, and I'm not going to use it to fuel, like, playing my game and, like, use it maliciously like that, just knowing that these cards are never going to be uh, reprinted. Yeah, and remember the, the reserve list cards went down for a while. Uh, duels right. were trending down for a while. So, you know, maybe over the long term they'll keep increasing, but in the short term they don't necessarily just increase forever. Yeah, because we had the duels uh, spike. I forgot when it was. I think this was like when Scalding Tarn or something hit some ridiculous number. Oh right, right, right. There and was then, a big GP, right? There was what GP was it? GP. Well, did, there it, was some what, GP it, where you could go swap your playset of Scalding Tarns for a playset of Volcanics or something, yeah. something like absurdly yeah. close to that. Yeah. And then that spiked all the duels, and then they started trending down for a bit, and I think they were on the downtrend until Eternal Masters. Uh, yeah. Was announced, and then they suddenly spiked like crazy. Yeah, I don't know if you if you have any closing thoughts just on the reserve list stuff. Uh, I mean, I guess just to echo what you said, if you want these cards to play with, there's very little harm in getting them now. But me personally, I don't. I'm not really interested in trying to play the financial game with reserve list cards, just because it feels a lot of times like you're doing the supply manipulation thing, which yeah. seems questionable to me as far as my personal ethics. And plus, yes. they're just like a, a hassle to sell. Like for me, I don't think it's worth the work to have your $400 card on eBay for six months till you find someone who buys it at the new price point. So, right. so if you want them to play with, to fill out your legacy deck or your commander decks, definitely pick them up before the next thing spikes, because this is probably going to keep happening through the summer with Eternal Masters coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I just sit back and watch it and kind of laugh at all the craziness. That's my... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like stuff like, yeah, just to continue off what you said, stuff like Mox Diamond, Lion's Eye Diamond, you know, legacy stuff, that's, that's kind of just what's been happening and that's going to continue happening. I mean, because they're on the reserve list, but at least, you know, those are legacy staples. Those are, those are cards at least, you know, have some applications. Uh, when I see a card like Peacekeeper, yeah, okay, it has its applications, but it's not, I wouldn't consider, you know, that's just going right back to what you said, Seth, where you're talking about, you know, questionable ethics where you're kind of messing with uh, supply constraints I, on that. I, I will say about Peacekeeper in specific, that might partly be an Eldrazi thing, because that does seem right. like a card that Eldrazi might have a hard time beating. I don't know, what do you think, Richard? Is Peacekeeper an out to Eldrazi? Uh, it is in Enchantress plays Peacekeeper. I don't know all this, but I've definitely seen, I've definitely played against Peacekeeper before. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure Aljazi just like literally cannot beat Enchantress. Um, but you know that deck has other problems, so that's not the silver bullet. But Peacekeeper is actually <laughs> yeah. a card that's played, so right. apparently it's played in Alluren as well. So apparently okay. it's for combo decks, right? You, you slap it down. Uh, creature decks, it's like ensnaring bridge. Like creature decks can't kill you, and then you drill around for ten turns to assemble your combo and win. So it's definitely a card that is relevant. But I still agree with your point, Chaz. I just think maybe Peacekeeper might have a little bit of an explanation in the real world and not just be a completely, like, random finance play. Yeah. No, yeah. Peacekeeper's only uh, a $10 guess, card or $12 yeah, card. Yeah, so I guess spike is I mean, you know, still kind of reasonable. Pick your poison at this point. I mean, I don't... There's plenty of other ones to choose from. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What Something is that, like, like black? 
Uh, I don't even think that's on the reserve. Oblivion ring? It's like a black O-ring, yeah. That's something I wanted to ask you about, Chaz. Uh, Speaking of that, Popper. Like, I... Is Popper becoming relevant in paper finance? Like we, it looks like it. Battle Screech has shot up from like a bulk uncommon to almost five dollars over the past few weeks. Uh, Utopia Sprawl is up. Yeah. Snap is up. There's a a lot of Chainers Chainers Edict. Lone Missionary is yeah. up twenty percent. Like, are people starting to buy paper Popper cards? <sighs> looks like it. <laughs> I yeah it, it's it's I've been noticing it it definitely seems like the newest phenomenon but I mean at the end of the day even if they're increasing by some amount like they're still five dollar uncommons I guess I guess once they all were five or six dollars like then I guess we have a problem but yeah it looks like it, it's definitely catching fire so just because it's popular doesn't mean it's cheap there are right. Like- $60 decks online that are popper, which is right. weird, right? 75 tickets, 60 tickets. Um, but to your uh, original point, I think popper is growing paper. Uh, you know, yeah, a year is. ago, I never got any emails or, you know, comments about popper at all. But now, you know, I get all kinds of, you know, tournament reports and things. You know, oh, my store just ran a 30-person popper tournament. You know, my store just ran a 60-person popper tournament, stuff like that. Um, so I've been seeing a lot of those. So Popper's definitely taking off. Uh, in large part, I think Moto Leagues has a lot to do with it. It's a cheap way to play on Magic Online. Yes. Uh, the Professor is a big proponent of Popper, so he's fairly popular. So, you know, a lot of people see his stuff and they want to go try Popper. And, you know, all it takes is, you know, a handful of people at your local game store to play Popper. And then you can organize tournaments and stuff like that. So I think it's taking off. I think it's definitely more popular than it was, say, a year ago. And I can only yeah. see this trend uh, going up because, you know, when you're talking about $300 standard decks, you know, 500 to $1,000 modern decks and like $2,000 legacy decks, you know, a, a $30 popper deck doesn't seem bad at all. Right. Yeah, I mean, even if every popper deck still went up like 10, 15 bucks, that's still not like crazy. But I mean, it's a good thing that Obulet is not on the reserve list. It could be reprinted. I don't know when or at what point, but... Um, <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never, yeah. Right. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, these obscure... I would worry more about more of these, like, obscure uncommons. Like, even Battle Screech is from Judgment. I mean, that's like a 10-year-old uncommon at this point. So, can, can but, you... I mean, the, the oh, lucky... Th- the, the good thing is, is that a lo- all of these cards are really reprintable and at basically any point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like Popper is the culprit for some of these increases. Do you guys want to guess what the most expensive paper Popper decks are right now, and how much they cost? Uh, in paper? paper. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Mono Black because I think that plays multiple copies of uh, Obulet. Yeah. And and Chainer's Edict now. So uh, I would say that's, that, that's like, a close second place, and it, it was helped by the $120 worth of spike. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something more expensive. Burn? Yeah, you got it. You know what card? Really? Uh, chain Lightning? Is that yeah. the killer? They said a Chain Lightnings is like almost 55 bucks, and then you got mm-hmm. Lava Spikes in there, which are almost 20 bucks per playset. Well, and the thing is, Pauper Burn is basically like Legacy Burn and Modern Burn. Like, it plays a lot of the same cards. So those cards have demand across all formats. So I think that's part of why it's so expensive. 
Lava Spike, you know, is is like twenty bucks. Four of those. Yeah, what? I mean, it all adds up. Rift Bolt. The the one really interesting thing, and I got to do some research on this to figure out exactly what cards fall into it, but. It's Battle Screech that made me think of it, because that's only been printed at Uncommon in paper. So, mm-hmm. But as far as I understand, most paper pauper groups use the Moto pauper list, because that's how the ban list is officially done, and it's only a Magic Online format in Wizard's eyes, so everything's tied to Magic Online. So even though it's only an Uncommon in paper, it's legal in pauper. So I, gotcha. I'm sure there's other cards like that, because that's a huge change in supply. Like, I don't think we'd see $4.21 battle screeches if they were commons in paper. But since they're uncommons and old uncommons, and Chainer's Edict is the same way. That's an old card that's an uncommon in paper, but it's a common on Magic Online, so it's legal. So I, I really want to do some research and figure out what else falls into that group that's like, legal and pauper only because of a magic online printing at common because those seem to be the cards that have increased significantly from like bulk common prices to five bucks yeah it seems like mostly the foils end up increasing a lot which which makes sense but for the most part it seems like these uncommons and commons are still fairly reasonably priced yeah, and and one good thing about Popper is it shouldn't be affected by the reserve list, even though it contains cards from all Magic's history, because I think all reserve list cards are rares, correct? Um, I believe it's like seventy five percent of rares in each set or something. I think so. I think that's right. Okay. I think that's right. Yeah, because it's like there there's some cards. I think like Crocus or something was an uncommon, which you would have thought would be on the reserve list, but it's not. You would think that would be a rare too. Like if it, now there, there was like some random cards that are like I think Force of Will is not even a rare, was it? No, that was I, uncommon I as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get the popper rules as long as it was it was printed at uncommon at any or common at any point. At any point, and that includes like Vintage Masters, which is Magic Online only, which is where Battle Screech was a common, and Chainer's right. Edict was a common because of Vintage Masters. Right. So it's it's a little confusing the way it's set up, but if it was ever printed a common in paper or in a Magic Online only set, it's oh, okay. That's why I got confused. Okay, that's why I was like, oh, the uncommons. I'm you like, know, oh. common, common, never. So common. As long as it's printed at common at some point, right, or Magic right, Online. right. Gotcha, gotcha. Because no, that's why I was confused. Because um, uh, that's why Chainer's Edict is is uh. That's legal. why Chainer's Edict is legal. Yes, because the Magic Online it was printed as a common. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So I, I, yeah, I was confused on that one. Yeah. Then, then absolutely yes. <laughs> then that's definitely <laughs> the reason why it's five bucks. So because are you guys? That, I mean, it was just some random uncommon. Are you guys gonna be pulling out popper staples as you dig through collections now, even if they're not worth anything? Well, the thing is, I mean, most of these cards are already cards you would be pulling out of bulk, right? I mean, like ancient stirrings, chromatic sphere. Like I'm just looking at a few of them. I mean, even Moldrifter. I mean, most of these cards already are pretty decent, no? Yeah, those yeah, are but cards... what about, like, Frogmite and Atog? And... I mean, I pull out my Frogmite. <laughs> you guys. I love me some Frogmites. There's... Even though it's not even Infinity anymore, but... Looking over the list, there are some cards that... I would have pulled most of these, but, like, Shadow Rift? I would yeah. not have pulled Shadow Rift. Um, Lone Missionary... Uh, there's, so there are some cards that I would not have pulled out. Chittering Rats is a big staple in Pauper. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at a few, yeah. Some of these I definitely wouldn't have pulled out, but... So, a lot I would, I, but there's some new ones that I will start pulling out now. 
I probably still wouldn't because I wouldn't personally remember them. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but if if it it's like if it's like ubiquitous, then I probably would. Like Chainer's Edict for sure. I might go dig right like after this podcast and go. Look. <laughs> yeah, and search for Battle Screech while you're at it. I mean, because I can't even say how many hundreds of thousands or probably millions of cards at this point I've cycled through and sold as bulk. I probably have. <laughs> I don't know, 50 grand worth of <laughs> of these yeah. commons that I just sold as bulk five years ago without thinking of. Like, I don't even want to think about how much money it would be today if I had just, like, held on to those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm just looking at the, the most played cards. Like, a ton of these I definitely have and or have passed on. Like, you know, just they're just lost in the aether or whatever as I've yeah. moved through collections. Yeah, well, well live and is, learn. There's, there's, there's yeah, probably someone out there that traded their playset of Moxon for like a Shivan Dragon like <laughs> 15 years ago. <laughs> You're not yeah. that. <laughs> That's true. I, and I'm complaining about losing out on $2.30 snaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess to, to kind of just round up the finance talk. So just to look at a few of the other, um, you know, across more formats, just so we got the reserve list. And I guess popper out of the way. Um, so some of the other stuff that's increasing. So we have standard. So Jace is back to being a <laughs> a thing. Uh, so I don't know if people ever held on to them or not. Um, Jace is pretty much back. Um, we have some more interesting increases like Liliana Heretical Healer, uh, Nissa Voice of Zendikar. Um, I guess you have to do with the po- Goblin Pile Driver. So uh, thanks for that one. Um, Chandra flame callers up pretty, uh, big percentages. So it seems like cards that are producing results now and, or, uh, good pickups for April. Yeah. I mean, that looks like most of it, everything on that list, I guess with the exception of one fetch land in hardened scales, which was the new hotness this past weekend yeah. is all stuff that's still going to be in the format and probably be pretty playable post rotation. So, yeah. Um, on the modern side, Thorn of Amethyst, um, I guess from Legacy Eldrazi. Uh, old card from Lorwyn, I think one printing. Yep, one printing. Yeah, that's up pretty big. Um, yeah, it just seems uh, uh, Malira actually is up a big percentage too. And that seems to be um, in relation to what's going to be left after the assumed bannings of either Eye of Ugin or Temple. And some of those... Some of those cards are interesting because they're like sort of on the this unofficial reserve list where yes. it's just like is Wizards really going to reprint Trinisphere based on how many headaches that causes the game and like yeah. what it does and the same with Thorn to a lesser extent. So they're not that there are never will be reprinted, but they're definitely less likely to be reprinted than a Siege Rhino or a Tarmogoy for just some creature that fits in with how ma- modern magic is designed. Like, right. so, I like, mean, we got a thorn, right? We got wing. What is that? The horse thing. Vryn Wingmare. Vryn Wingmare. But I think we'll never get a Trinisphere. I, I don't think yeah. Wizards wants players to know about layers and other weird things. <laughs> that's that's got to be pretty close to humility level, right? As far as like yes. how confusing this card is to a new player when it's on the battlefield. Yeah, although I wouldn't the, be surprised. The problem is you ask. Like, you don't ask about humility, but you will ask about Trinisphere. <laughs> humility is one of those, like, I think it works like this, and then it just gets you. 
<laughs> Where Stratosphere is like, I don't know, let me just ask the judge to see if this, this casting cost is correct. I, I think <laughs> it's actually really simple. Like, you literally just pay three for everything. Like, it sounds complicated, yeah. but it's actually really simple. Like, Wait, so what, yeah. Stratosphere and Thalia? Three or four? Uh, oh no. Four. Right. And if there was yeah. a converge card, do you do you convert you converge for more or less? <laughs> I have no idea. See, it starts getting complicated. Yeah, no, it does. It does get complicated. Like one but, card I mean, alone is okay, but when you have multiple cards, what's interesting about these cards, though, in particular, is that like I, I understand Eternal Masters are co- is coming out, but I, I don't know if Eternal Masters is really going to um, have the effect that it does on Modern Masters. Or that Modern Masters did, like, this might not be a, you know, a set that, you know, some of these cards go down and then rebound back. Like, some of these more obscure cards might just stay down, like, period. So, one could hope that, you know, Thorn, Thorn of Amethyst is in Eternal Masters, and that likely will keep the price down for a while. Well, no, So, there's at least that to look forward to. The other thing with those cards is they're just utterly unplayable and limited and wizards has repeatedly right. shown how much they care about limited when they're designing master yeah, sets. So. so it's, you can't, they could put one in there or a couple, but they're not just going to have a whole set full of Trinospheres and thorns. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Just Cause they're expensive. Yeah. I mean, really what I was getting at is like, if they do decide to like reprint, like Thorn of Amethyst could definitely be in like a commander product or something like that. And that would likely bury this card's price, you know, any printing at this point. What we need is from the vault mistakes, like all these old (laughs) cards that wizards wish they had never printed. (laughs) Trinosphere, Humility, Thorn. From the vault, Interactive Magic. (laughs) Yeah, but it's funny because it's good that you brought up this, like, kind of unofficial reserved list because even cards like Malira right now is, like, in that void of still likely has another, like, year or so to go before it's in a Modern Masters set. So, I mean, I could definitely see this card increasing, uh, continue to increase, actually, uh, as time goes on, especially if, you know, Eldrazi does get hit by a ban. It's pretty likely at this point. I mean, people are going to be looking to the the collected company list and the like, the Jeff Hoogland list, and Malir is definitely a part of that um, and that archetype. Speaking of Malira, it's probably worth keeping an eye on Anafenza as well, like over the long term, because that kind of does the same thing and could be one of those cards that a few years down the road we're talking about being ten dollars when right now it's bulk. Right, the the double white version. Uh, right? Anafenza Kindry Spirit, I think. It yeah, Kindry yeah. Spirit. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am there with you on that one. Uh, in Legacy, it's mostly, you know, random stuff and reserve list cards. So we, we kind of went over that. Um, so to kind of wrap up the, the finance stuff, so so what do you think are a couple good cards to... I mean, I'm just looking through. I'm seeing a lot of this stuff. I know we talked about it looks like a couple of these cards are getting picked up for result reasons, um, whether it be online or the recent GP, or just cards that are, look pretty good come April. I mean, I'm seeing a few cards that are that are definitely fitting both of those uh, categories, like Kalitas, Trader of Get, maybe even Nissa, you know, Chandra. I know, like, Chris Van Meter and a lot of the other um, pro players are saying Chandra is pretty good right now, and they're assuming it'll likely stay that way. So even cards like Sylvan Advocate will likely play a part. I'm, I'm definitely curious uh about anything that interacts with the graveyard because it in a yeah. seems to be a graveyard based set so 
I would have to think about what morphs we have, but maybe even something like a Death Mist Raptor could be in for, like, increased play. I know one card I'm still high on and still think could be really good in a world without Mantis Rider um, is Drana. I think Drana has potential to be a really good card in Standard, and it's just being held back by Mantis Rider at the moment. So that's another one that I think has at least some amount of potential to shoot up into the Chase Mythic area uh, this spring. Yeah, uh, it's also interesting because I look at these and even go like a level below that because, you know, even some of these uncommons like um, one in particular, I always uh, I've I've got a few of for, you know, playing purposes and might, you know, go ahead and grab some more just in case is like even cards like uh, Reflector Mage seem like a great card to be owning in April. Yeah, I think that that I mean, that's proven itself to be really powerful. So yeah. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And if if uh, we are infested with uh, Eldrazi ramp decks, it seems like a pretty sweet thing to be doing. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I look and, and it's just like even, you know, even people get uh, sidelined by, you know, some of those uncommons that are suddenly three or four dollars like Silk Rat. You know, and, and these, this is the time to really stock up on stuff for April if you're going to likely, if you're going to likely, especially if you're going to play it, but even if you have an inclination that you might play it. Like, even, like, Storm Chaser Mage could be the next, uh, um, uh, the one red Swift Spear. So, you know, you, you just want to keep an eye out on that, too. Another good takeaway along the same lines as the Uncommons is we've seen some really huge movement, movement from sideboard cards. Uh, so that's something else. I haven't really researched it a ton, and we don't know enough about the format to know the big decks, but we see uh, Infinite Obliteration is like a $4 card now. Hollowed Moonlight, it went from bulk to like 3 bucks or something. So there's definitely some potential there, too, with these really narrow effects that end up being really good against the best deck or one of the best decks in the format and going from bulk rares to being actually valuable and easy to sell, too, because everyone wants Hollowed Moonlight in their sideboard, so you're not going to have any problem moving them. Right. Uh, another few cards that I looked at is, like, I, I know we look at cards like Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher, or even, like, some of the lower Eldrazi, like, even, like, Dimensional Infiltrator, um, you know, Concordant, or... Corrupted Crossroads, and uh, what's the other one? Like Eldrazi Obliterate, uh, Ob- Obligator, like all those little Eldrazis, even Bear of Silence. Because I'm assuming there's going to be a XX Eldrazi list, like a like a like just a two-color Eldrazi list that can likely contend uh, come April too. And those all seem like, yeah, it seems like small gains at this point, or just like, you know, negligible gains. But I mean, when you're paying an extra dollar here, dollar there, it all starts to add up. Well, in another good long-term point about those cards is we know i don't think we're getting colorless mana the the diamond mana in every set so there are another right. group of cards that are harder to reprint things like eldrazi obligator plus the eldrazi flavor is pretty specific and not something that you would just uh throw in any set so it seems like that group of cards especially the colorless mana ones have long-term potential too because people love eldrazi apparently in every format even casual formats and they're yeah. re- relatively difficult to reprint. So yeah, I, I mean, I was just you know, I just like to look out for for trends like that, and you know, let it be a uh, you know, just raise awareness because I know a lot of the cards like out of the gate have increased, and you know, just from the 
you know, all this Eldrazi stuff in, in modern has increased a lot of the overall Eldrazi cards, like Eldrazi Obligator was part of that. And I know some of those cards have cooled down, but it looks like it, it could be in for another good rebound. Like, even for cards like World Breaker, I mean, that card never really went uh, away. It's, it's definitely going to still be here. So, you know, you have to realize that these cards are going to be around for another whole year. So... It's definitely good to grab them on the uh, cool-off period. And, and it's something that we, we said in another, uh, a few podcasts ago, right, Seth, that we kind of figured that all these cards would definitely cool off, you know, for a month and then suddenly come back. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and I mean, I think they will continue to come back post-rotation because uh, I think they're in line for, for more play moving forward. Yeah, like I know one card that you were kind of high uh, out of the gate uh, for Oath of the Gatewatch uh, specifically was Kozilek's Return. And, you know, while it's not $120 a playset right now, I mean, it's definitely in a cool-off period. So, you know, that could definitely be a self-fulfilling prophecy here soon. I mean, it's just definitely better to get them as they've cooled off now. So you don't have to end up paying a tax later down the line when you want to play standard. Well, and we are hitting the point now, like... Uh, we were talking about offcast. We think that spoilers for Shadows Over Innistrad start on Monday, and right. uh, so so that's like three days after this podcast will be up. And once we start getting spoilers, that's when we start seeing a lot of movement with cards that people we see something spoiled and they think, oh, that'll work really well with this card from Battle for Zendikar from Oath, and those cards will start to go up. So we're kind of at the at the perfect point if you want to try to pick things that you think will be good moving forward to pick them up before everyone else starts doing it when the spoilers roll out yeah i mean i think that wraps up uh finance uh talk um i think we have a few fish mail right richard uh yep let me pull them up okay this one is from uh luke palmer i have two questions uh what do you think will happen to the price of the sealed full art land packs from uh the fat packs for balfa zendikar and oath of the gate watch and what is your opinion on when to unload full sets from a block in the paper world. In the paper world. Um, <laughs> I would have to say if like like if you were buying like full sets of uncommons rares, I'm assuming that's what uh this fish mail is about. I mean, wouldn't you want to be selling those like as the set's coming out? Uh uh like you as the set itself is being released? I, I Yeah, I mean, I don't know like when like further down the line, it's I mean the, the especially the commons and uncommons are only going to get like less expensive so i mean i think you're losing a good percentage like holding on to like full sets i mean unless you're in it for a real big long haul i guess i think if you somehow have access to the sets and can sell them right away that that's probably the smartest uh if you're if you're looking at like redeeming from magic online which doesn't even start until at least a month or maybe even more because uh the moto release is later a month after the moto release then what you're usually looking at is uh, like last year, for example, Khan's block reached its low during around when the Masters set will be releasing, like the end of spring, beginning of summer is where it hits the absolute bottom. So if you get your sets around that point, then they usually shoot up quite a bit right around when rotation happens uh, in the fall. So there are windows like that. So if you can't sell them right away, I would be looking at like the one year rotation mark <laughs> uh, to sell your sets then. Like about a year after the set release at that rotation, which now happens twice a year uh, thanks to the new schedule. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the price for four land packs, um, that you're going to have to be in the long haul for that one. 
I don't do those command a premium. Like, is keeping them in a pack a, a, a beneficial I, thing? I would say so. Yes, just okay. from the the um, the fat packs themselves. I, I think it's just easier. Like, you can just you know have it all wrapped up, and you can market it better. Like, if you wanted to throw them up on eBay or what have you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, whether they're in the pack or, or not, I mean, the, the prices of these are going to be stagnant for a while. Well, there's just a ton of supply out there. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Agreed. I would say the full art wastes, uh, out of, out of everything might be lucrative, especially foils. Yeah. I mean, they've been shown to be modern playable at this point and I think they'll see casual play. So I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that uh, covers that. Good question. Okay. Uh, from at Pika500, uh, why are Mercadian Mask cards online so expensive? I tried to build Popper Bogles until I saw Ancestral Mask. <laughs> uh, well, this one's really simple. Masks is maybe the worst draft format ever <laughs> created in Magic Yeah, system. it was really bad. So even though these cards are really expensive, when they do a flashback draft on Magic Online, people don't want to do it. Even though you can open like a $200 port just because it is mind-numbingly just so hard to sit through a mass draft. So the supply is super low because no one wants to draft the cards so the cards don't enter the Magic Online marketplace. Because that's how the supply gets into the market is people playing limited events and people don't want to play Masks Limited. Yeah, I agree with everything you just Uh, said. (laughs) So this was from the comment in our last podcast uh, at Jerusatula? Sorry. Uh, I have a few doubling seasons, Ravnica, City of Guilds printing, laying around. Uh, they're worth about $21, with the printing of Eternal Masters incoming. What do you think the chances are of a reprint, and how much would it drop uh, if that happened? Um, I wouldn't assume it's in there. Yeah, I would say but, 5%, <laughs> like very low. Yeah, I wouldn't assume it's in Eternal Masters. But at the same time, it could definitely show up in a set like Conspiracy. That's the big worry. If it shows up in a Commander deck or Conspiracy, then you're looking at $5 doubling seasons. Even if, by some odd chance, it showed up at Rare in Eternal Masters, I don't know if the supply would be great enough to drop it to uh, all the way down to $5. Right, yeah, I don't think so either. Um, If you're not using them, I, I would definitely sell them. Yeah, I think that that's probably fine advice because it is such a popular casual card. It will get reprinted eventually. It's just a matter of when, and you don't want to be caught holding when it happens, especially if it is in a unlimited print run type set because then it will be crushed in value. Yeah, I mean, and and especially it it works both ways. It's it's an in-demand casual card, so right now it'll likely be easy for you to get the 19, 20 bucks out of it, so... It's easy to move, but then at the same time, if it's reprinted in any large capacity, it it, it really will drop the price. Um, maybe not in a set like Eternal Masters, but let's just not assume that's in there. So, But if it is, I think it'll come down a little bit, but not enough to push it down to $5 like a conspiracy printing or, like you said, Seth, the commander printing. Yep. Okay, last one from Cleb Dolgy. So I, I spent like a couple of minutes trying to read this question. <laughs> so okay. hopefully I got this right. Uh, okay. I, I believe this is uh Gleb advocates for the reprinting of the dual ends. Okay. And uh, let, let me let me read 
Uh, from estimates I've seen online, there are 250,000 to 600,000 original Dual Lands printed. Uh, there are 20 million Magic players. Tarmogoyf has proven to be a high-demand card that can be re- reprinted in limited quantities without devaluing it. Uh, so let's say Wizards hypothetically prints 500,000 or even a million original Dual Lands in Eternal Masters. Uh, the price may drop for a few months, but then it would easily climb higher uh, to a point because the pent-up demand would uh, outstrip the newfound supply, just like Tarmogoyf, especially if Wizards uh, hypes this up with the announcement of Legacy Grand Prix. Uh, so let's say Dual Lands are reprinted and nothing else. This is a win-win for everybody. Players rejoice, Wizards makes money hand over fist, collectors lose a tiny bit of value in the short term, but the new swell of interest in the format could keep those prices climbing even higher. Uh, and uh, this is coming from a player with a full set of dual lands. So what do you guys think? This is a really good question, and it's a multi-layer question, so I'm going to take a stab at it, and then you can chime in, Seth. So first of all, I don't think they're reprinting them. Let's just get that out of the way. But what, to, to stay with like a, a hypothetical argument, um, I do think if, you have, if you're going to reprint dual lands, it's either all or nothing. I think, like, if you're going to reprint anything off the reserve list, you have to print all the relevant reserve list cards that are actually played, or else you're just going to end up, yeah, okay, you you make players happy, and that's great, and they make money, and you sell dual lands, but then dual lands go down, and then all of a sudden you're paying, like, $2,500 for a tabernacle, or, you know, another, you know, you just keep adding attacks to everything that's not reprinted. And we can see this happening right now with, uh, reserve list stuff. So you reprint all the stuff like Caracas, Force of Will, uh, Wasteland, all these cards, and all the cards that don't that cannot be reprinted are just going up in, in and just getting taxed. So if you're going to reprint dual lands, while that's great and that lowers the barrier, and, and that's really a big chunk of what the barrier is at this point is dual lands. I mean, that's your mana base. But that at the end of the day, you reprint those and you're just going to keep adding attacks to the stuff that's not reprinted. So people just turn and just buy up all the, the tabernacles and what, what, you know, what have you. And those just get increasingly more expensive. So really you just go back to a net zero. I mean, you would have to print a lot of dual lands to really negate the increase of all the other relevant reserve list cards. That's just my perspective. And I, I don't think they're really obliged to do that anytime, uh, anytime soon. So, But I just wanted to answer it for the sake of argument. Yeah, I agree with you. They're not doing it. They're a million percent not doing it in Eternal Masters. We already know that for sure. And as tricky as Wizards has been with some of their like conspiracy announcement lately, there's no way that they're like, hey, we're not printing any reserve list cards. Just kidding, guys. There's duels in Eternal Masters. That's, <laughs> that is not something they would do. Uh, the problem I see is I don't think that really solves the problem like yeah you could print duels in eternal masters yes the price would probably dip a little bit for a short time and it might not even dip much at all because they will just get scarfed up immediately and then a year from now we're saying the same thing like legacy is too expensive and it's kind of what you're saying jazz it doesn't solve the problem because we have all the other reserve list cards right i don't even think that kind of reprinting would solve the problem with dual lands like they would just immediately be bought up by people for all different formats commander legacy vintage uh, just to have them and then we're still right back at the same place where legacy is pricing people out of the format so i think 
I agree yep. with you. If they're going to reprint reserve list stuff, they got to go all the way. And if they're going to reprint dual lands, the, the long-term goal has to be to have them reprinted in enough supply that the, the barrier to entry into modern, sure, you could do Eternal Masters, but then a year or two down the road, you're going to have to put them in Conspiracy or a standard legal set or in some product like that where the supply really increases enough to drop their prices significantly. Yep. I'm going to have to agree with both of you guys. I, I don't think they would affect the price. Like we saw what happened with the original Modern Masters. Um, you know, some cards got less expensive, but other cards got more expensive. And then everyone's like, oh, we need, we need Modern Masters too. And then Modern Masters 2 comes out, and I'm not sure the price of Modern has dropped. And then we're all sitting here, it's like, when's the next Modern Masters coming out? Like, it's a, a never-ending struggle as uh, people find other cards uh, to be more expensive as uh, the reprinted cards go down or stay the same like Tarmogoyf. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said before, I, I don't think Wizards cares too much about this part of magic and to have the legal issues that would come about uh to do this i don't think is worth it like there will be angry people uh when you reprint the reserve list cards and i don't think it's worth it for what they gain from it which is you know selling some eternal masters which uh they they could with you know another modern master set or you know, commander masters or whatever. Like, there's so many other sets they can make. They don't need to dig into their reserve list and open that can of worms. I I think the for me, once we start hearing those announcements, if that ever happens, about duels and other reserve list cards getting reprinted, uh, for me, I will be really worried that Magic is in a really bad place and Wizards yeah. is just looking to cash everything out and they don't really care what happens and grab as much money as they can as the game dies. So yeah. so that is when I think those cards will get reprinted and hopefully that's not for a very long time. I will say, I mean, I, I just think it's a shame, you know, that, that it's come to this like 10 years later and as, as the community just keeps increasing. I mean, it, it's just it's just a shame. I mean, I know people will argue that this list is in existence and it has helped the brand you know, all the way up until now because there's a select few cards that, you know, puts the faith in the brand. But, I, I mean, when you look at 20 million people, I mean, really, what percentage of people would really be, you know, would turn away from the game if they abolished the reserve list or started, you know, trying to get around the reserve list? And I mean, I don't know. And But it's, it's like Seth's point earlier, there are things that are effectively reserve lists. Yeah, and I like even if dual lands were not on the reserve list, I'm not sure wizards would be printing them willy nilly. Like it's taken like ten, fifteen years to reprint Force of Will, right? Like I I don't know that wizards would just want to reprint these cards. Like you know, even if there was no restriction, I don't know that it's in their best interest. They want to be selling siege rhinos. Well, like, I mean that that too, but I mean you never know. I mean they might not want to do it because. Why print Force of Will and have and, and what's the end goal? People play Legacy, so then you you turn them back to this archaic, you know, 1996 list of all these cards that are you know can't be reprinted, and they're like, okay, cool, I ripped a Force of Will out of my pack, but I can't buy any of the cards. Well, that's why it's called Eternal Masters, and there was an emphasis right. on Commander right. and Cube. It's I think right. it's for those players. Conversation around the reserve list anyway, and that could obviously take up another like you know, five hours worth of podcast time or more. But, you know, I mean, this is just the the long and short of it. I mean, the, the reserve list is there. And, you know, to answer the question fully, yeah, I mean, it's rhetorical, but they're not getting reprinted. So that's really it. <laughs> 
And I will say on a, a slightly off topic note, I think if you look back at the early history of Magic, one of the defining features is Wizards really underestimated the, how popular the game would get. We see that through a lot of yep. the early decision-making. And their early decision-making, I think they were thinking, oh, this is a game that a few people will play. Maybe it'll last a few years. And they didn't expect it to be 25 years later uh, making movies and having 4,000-person GPs and 20 million players worldwide. So I think if they had known that 20 years ago, things would be different with the reserve list and the supply of Black Lotuses and all this other stuff. But we are, where, we are where we are now. And I think that from Wizards' perspective, that's ancient history. And they're just moving on and doing the best they can uh, with how Magic is today, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's like Richard said. Uh, he said a really great point, uh, another cast, like – they're just writing off like 10 years of magic and just moving on. I mean, their actions speak that way. So, I mean, I, I think it's unfortunate as someone who's played the game a long time. I don't want to see 10 years of magic just getting written off just because of some silly list. But oh, let's not have these rose tinted goggles. <laughs> like There were some really bad cards back then, right? No, I mean, remember the good cards. Right, yeah, I mean, but there's a lot of your Look at the random uh, 93-94 spike. Some of these cards are very questionable. I mean, a lot of... I think it's both a good thing and a bad thing that... Well, yeah, it's a good thing and a bad thing. No, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, be a Debbie Downer here, but it's just, like, a few select cards on the reserved list, a lot of them being abysmal at this point in in Magic's career, is holding back a lot of, like, good cards that get played. The, The sad thing is they could change... 30 cards on the reserve list in this whole conversation would not be relevant. Like that's that it's such a small number of cards that causes the whole problem. Cause like Richard said, I was looking over the reserve list. A lot of those cards are laughably horrible by modern standards. Dude, like, I keep using Wormwood Tree Folk. I mean, yeah. it's like that card's terrible like, by, by today's standards. But to go back to my initial point, the reserve list was necessary at the time, I think. for the yeah. like, We might not have Magic today, period, based on the whole Chronicles debacle, if they hadn't taken strong measures. But I still think they might have handled things differently or put some sort of time limit on the reserve list or like put less cards on the reserve list if if they had known where the game would be 15, 20 years yeah. in the future. It, it might have not have grown to this size, but I, I still think the game would be going. I mean, people want to bash Yu-Gi-Oh for stuff like this. And, I mean, people still play that game. I mean, I see people when I was, you know, going to shops like often, there was still like a large turnout for these for Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. I mean, the, the, the card game is still chugging along. I mean, I don't I, maybe it's not as large as it used to be, but I mean, it's still chugging along. I don't know. People like to laugh off Yu-Gi-Oh and never want Magic to become Yu-Gi-Oh, but I mean, I don't really want it to become that either, but I'm I'm glad that Magic has gotten to this size, but I mean, there's always a double-edged sword to everything, you know? Are you a closet Yu-Gi-Oh player? No, I'm not. I actually have never played a Yu-Gi-Oh game in my life. I'm just waiting for Hearthstone, the physical card game. I don't think that can work. But they right? tried that. They tried that already. They. I'm sure we're. I, I'm sure we'll see. It may not be like the actual card game, but I'm sure we'll see Hearthstone IP and some incarnation of it in physical form. I don't think they even want to do that. Like, why? Why go the like? Why even go through the hassle of like setting up print runs and you know acquiring these big warehouses for printing and all that? More money, just, right? Like, 
I mean, like, why make I mean, Hearthstone at all? Have, you like, already have Warcraft and Starcraft I, and Diablo, I guess. right? Yeah, like, I guess they, they it's have, just a like, logical 100... extension. Like, I, I think I it guess. might be like a dual, um, what is it, the uh, Planeswalker oh, Arena type thing, right, maybe? Right, right. I see what you're saying. Uh, but it might be a card game with like different rules. But I suspect that you know they'll they'll do something more with Hearthstone that will start. I, I think they're. I think they. It's pro- it, it could happen, Richard, and I see where you're going with this. I think they might be hesitant because their first card game bombed. So <laughs> yep. they might be like, uh, maybe not. I don't know. But, uh, we're talking about a magic movie, but look, there's a Warcraft movie. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's well, I mean, almost a Hearthstone movie, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, for all the people out there that have not played Warcraft, I mean, Warcraft goes back a long time. So I've played not just Warcraft. Yeah, I've played all the Warcraft games, and let me tell you, it's definitely not like just a card game that has resurrected. You know that that story and that like all those characters and everything involved has been around for a while. So, but I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right, Richard. I mean, they they have a movie of their own. They have the card game that's very popular. I mean, they could take it another direction. Did. Did either of you see the LSV game, the uh, Eternal. Eternal? Yes, I did. What did you it think looked, of it? Wait, what was it? I think you. I, I think you sent out a tweet that's like, if Magic Pros made Hearthstone, this is what it would look like. That was and my impression. I, yeah, oh. I totally agree with you. It's literally like they took all the good things of Magic, all the good things of Hearthstone, and literally just tried to mash them together. And that's basically what happened. Did, did it t- does it turn out better? I it looked fine to me. It looks like it, it, it's like Hearthstone with blocking to some extent. Like it plays yes. more like Magic, the actual game. Yeah. But it looks like Hearthstone the way it's it's set up in the the graphics and visuals and the uh, the actual game itself. Well. It, in in just a small like preview, it just seemed like intuitive. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it it was it was easy enough that you can grasp it after a few games, but still had like still some complex things about magic. And I think it has instance or some like uh, approximation yeah. of instance yes. where you can play thing on your opponent's turn. So it, it feels much more magicy to me. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of excited for it. Like I think it could be really cool. Is there is there a stack in priority? I, I don't know how that works. Don't know. I really want to see someone fix Moto's bad interface of like phases and priority. <laughs> and everyone says it's just like, well, it's part of the game. You just got to do it. But I wonder if someone can do it better. But this is like LSV, Connolly Woods, um, a bunch of other Magic pros work at that studio, but I can't think of all of them now. It's like Direwolf Games or something like that. So it should be inter- yeah. interesting. I think it's going into beta soon. So we'll see if it's actually like what it looks like. We they, they streamed it and it was a very like early demo of it, not a full release. Uh, so we'll see how it turns out. But it could have potential because I know for me, like I've tried Hearthstone and I try to play it like Magic and I lose. Like I leave creatures back to block <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and so it just it doesn't feel intuitive to me as a Magic player. But yeah. this. The way it played, it's like, oh, that's like magic. Like I could understand how all this stuff well, works. Right just play magic then, if you want to play magic. Because <laughs> sometimes you don't always want to play magic. You know. Have you have you played uh, the Kibler's game? What is it? Soulforge? Soulforge? Nah, that seemed way too much for me. <laughs> I mean, but... a lot of these magic. Apparently, every magic pro is a game designer. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> they all have these games <laughs> that are card games. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, I guess after playing Magic for like 15, 20 years, I guess you pick up a few things, especially when you're connected to a lot of Wizards employees at that point. So, I mean, I don't think those games are going to challenge Magic, but it is no. neat to see a a take on Hearthstone that feels a little bit more like Magic. Like, I think the concept yeah. of it is interesting, and a lot of the people designing it I really like, so I kind of want to see it just because of that. Like, everyone loves LSV. Like, what? how would LSV design a game? Like, so just that part of it is intriguing to me. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely interesting from when I watched it. As long as you can play it on your phone. That's a, that's that's the free. that's the thing these days. <laughs> then it will replace you know my Candy Crush setup or whatever, I, whatever <laughs> like crappy game I'm playing at the time just to burn, uh, you know, just yeah. to burn some free time. I was watching Jeff Hoogland stream the other day, and he's like a programmer, I guess. Um, but he was saying that the way Moto was written, they would have to completely redesign it from the ground up to make that work for Moto. Like start all over from scratch for Moto to work on. Uh, uh, like those other games, like Hearthstone or something like that. Well, so. we know that there's not even a Mac client, and this is like <laughs> 2016. Uh, we know Moto has problems. So we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Sealed leagues are good, though. Apparently, sealed leagues are good. I so just, they got something right. I just saw they had to expand the cap to 6,000. They just announced because more than 3,000 people wanted to sign up. So that's pretty impressive for uh, I'm shocked for at Moto. how many people play limited. Yeah, it's apparently yeah. much larger than constructed on Magic Online. Much much larger larger than Legacy, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> no one plays Legacy, my friend. <laughs> you want twenty dollar dual lands? <laughs> you got twenty dollar dual lands on Moto. Not good enough. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like we'll have a lot to talk about next week and the coming weeks with a lot of spoilers. But gentlemen, I think that wraps things up. So uh, I think um, yeah, everything was covered. Uh, great questions from all the fish mail people, and uh, I yeah, we'll do this again next time. So uh, last minute things out the door or no? All right. Oh no, you're good. No, you're we're good. good. Okay. <laughs> all right. So this is the crew signing out. We will see you next time.